ask if you will to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 will continue this morning with the third commandment of the ten. Reminding you of where we are as we gather here looking at this passage. The people of God have been delivered by God from Egypt out of the bondage of slavery have been brought out. They're headed to the promised land. They stop at Mount Sinai after some three months of traveling. And there the Lord comes down upon the mountain and descends upon it in all of His glory, shows up like a whirlwind of fire and smoke and speaks to the people out of the thunder. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Lord begins His testimony before the people on this mountain stating up front, I am the one who has delivered you and saved you and redeemed you. Now, here's how you live. And this morning we'll look at verse 7, the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you have spoken to us and you have spoken to us clearly. God, we ask this morning that you help us, that you help us to know your word and follow your word, that we'll seek your word in truth, all for your glory and all for your name we pray. Amen. I must be honest, there's probably... No commandment out of the ten that I know better than this one. I am thankful. I'm thankful for a mother and a grandmother, really two grandmothers, who love Jesus dearly. And one of the main reasons I know this commandment better than the rest is because I have been reminded oftentimes of this commandment, usually by my mother or my grandmothers. Uh, they wouldn't even have to say anything. You know how it would go. I would begin the phrase, oh my God, and then I would get the look. And the look would be, how are you going to finish this, son? You know, as you begin that phrase, and I was a master at starting, oh my goodness, and I would get it right there just at the last little bit. And I would come up from anything and everything. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my golly. Oh, my grits. Y'all know how it goes. You're just trying to find it in some way. But I knew when I'm standing before my mother and my grandmothers, I was not going to use the Lord's name in vain. And many of you have that same testimony or, uh, have, have, or could bear testimony to the same truth. I knew this commandment. I was taught by them to honor the Lord's name. And so this morning, in some ways, I know this is probably not the passage you would expect on Mother's Day, but we're just simply going to keep on going through the Word. But I know that my mother and my grandmothers, one has gone on to be with the Lord, another one I hope to visit this afternoon, who will be 101 in June. I know that they would love for me to preach upon this passage. Because how many times have they said to me, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, son? So, we will 
look to our passage this morning and call upon the name of the Lord because the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name of God Almighty, the one that we hold fast to, the one who has saved us and redeemed us, that name is one of the greatest gifts we have. And this commandment, this commandment protects that name. It protects that name from being abused. It protects that name from being used in vain. It protects the name of the Lord from being thrown out in triviality and frivolousness. It protects the name of the Lord for His honor and for His glory. When we get to this commandment, we see the first two, they make real sense. You know, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image. Those seem like strong commandments. Uh, but when we get to this one, sometimes we think of this commandment, the third one, as maybe just a good reminder. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. We may think that this is just some good reminder, but that's, that's not what's happening here. This commandment is on the same level as the first two, if you will. Not just a good reminder, but a call. A call for us to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, to a call for us to honor the Lord God Almighty, a call for us to live a life of faithfulness and as represent, representatives of our Redeemer. This is a command for us, not a suggestion. And so the Lord says here, as we look to this third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Let's just understand this passage or this verse if we can this morning the best way we can first of all we need to understand what this means when we talk about the lord's name god's name represents god's character god's name represents god's character we recognize this morning that names matter even as we come in you have seen some of those who are greeters and others who have name tags letting you know who they are and what they are doing as you meet your friends and your loved ones, you call them by name, and it's good to see them. It's a reminder that you know them, that you are friends, you are you're related. You know their name. We know that names matter. When parents name their children, it's a big deal. Unless it gets to like the fourth one. I think Allison, I figured, just throw some name on him. But we know that you think these things through and you, you're concerned about this. You, you're thinking whenever you name your child, how can this name be abused? Are they going to make fun of him or this name? Are they going to make fun of her with this name? Whenever we were naming Macy Grace, we were trying to think of a name and Allison liked the name Macy Kate. And I could not get the word masticate out of my mind, which means to eat. And so I thought the whole life, somebody's going to call her Masticate, and they're going to talk about eating, and it's just not going to be pretty. So we can't use that name. When you're thinking of names, you want to make sure you have a name that's honorable. You want to make sure you have a name that's lifted up. And this, this commandment this morning, as we look to this, this commandment is not just about the word G-O-D. It goes even beyond that. The English word for God, yes, we honor that name as we lift it up, but we recognize that that name of God is different in many other languages. In Russia, it's Bogo. In, in Telugu, it's Devadu. In, in Spanish, it's Dios. Whatever name it may be that we have applied to the one true and living God is the name we must reverence and lift in awe. But even deeper than that, why? Because that name that we may use even in our language and it's right for us to use those words and protect that name we recognize it's a translation of god's name 
It's a translation of who he is. Here, this commandment, the Lord is drawing the people back to the name he gave them through Moses at the burning bush. If you remember in Exodus chapter 3, God calls Moses out in that bush that's burning and not consumed. And he tells Moses, I'm calling you to go to Egypt. I'm calling you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And so he tells Moses this, and Moses says, okay, I'll, I'll go, but if I go, I need to know who's sending me. What is your name? And this was a big deal here. And if you remember, the Lord says, my name is Yahweh. It's the name that he gave them. And this name Yahweh simply means I am who I am. That's what it literally means. Or you could possibly translate, I will be who I will be. And there's something here when the Lord gives him this name. When the Lord says, I'm going to free my people, I'm going to redeem them, I'm going to send you to do, do it, Moses, and you tell them Yahweh sent me. I am who I am. I will be who I will be sent you. The Lord is saying something about himself. He's naming, a, a, a giving himself here a name that speaks to his self-sufficiency. I am who I am. The Lord is independent. He doesn't need any help from anybody else. He is who he is. He is not defined by anyone else. He is not restrained by anyone else. Just as we saw last week, he is free to do what he wishes to do. He is self-sufficient. But not only that, he's not created or restrained in any such way. He's self-existent. He's not dependent on the people of Israel. He's not dependent on the Egyptians. He's not dependent on anyone. The Lord is who he is. And he is supremely sovereign. As he looks there over Egypt and he comes in, the Lord says, the Lord says, I am who I am. I will do what I will do, in other words. He determines his own character. He's not defined by anybody else or anything else. Therefore, as he gives his name of his sufficiency, his self-existence, his supreme sovereignty, I am who I am, this also will speak to his ultimate power. And the events of the Exodus only prove this. As Moses gets on the other side of the Red Sea after it had split wide and the people had crossed on dry land and he crushed the Egyptians behind him. As he gets on the other side, he begins to sing in chapter 15 of Exodus. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously, Moses says. The horse and his rider he's thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Moses says not only has he called us out of Egypt, but he has redeemed us in such a way as to take our enemies away. There is no more. He is sovereign. He rules. He reigns. He has power to remove the enemies. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And in this phrase, Moses is using that name that he was given at that bush. Yahweh, I will be who I will be. So to use, or as we use God's name, we need to recognize it's much more than a label. To use God's name is much more than just a tag that you throw on Him. To use God's name is a testimony to all that He is. To use God's name is a testimony to all that He has done. 
To use God's name speaks to his character, speaks to his nature, speaks to his mighty and glorious deeds. That's why Moses proclaims the deeds of the Lord as he's redeemed them. He says, the Lord is his name. That's who he is. He's our redeemer. He's our savior. He is our Lord. No one can go above him or beyond him for he is sovereign over all. The Lord's name is his identity. So in that name, in that name, it's not just something you throw on him to mark him or note him. It speaks to his very nature and his very character. And it's why the psalmist over and over again, like Psalm chapter 8 where David sings, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So it is for his people. We sing, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's not just a nice name. It's not just a label. It's everything the Lord has done and who He is. And that's why the Lord says, do not use it in vain. It speaks to His character. It speaks to His nature. Don't throw it around. Don't use it in vain. In fact, those who use it in vain, it tells us quite quickly, those who use the name of the Lord in vain, for God will not hold them guiltless who takes His name in vain. If you want to take the name of the Lord in vain, you need to know you are guilty before God of profaning his nature and his character. Not just abusing his name, but profaning who he is and what he has done. As Psalm 139, 20 says, Your enemies, Lord, take your name in vain. A sign or a mark of those who are against God or opposed to God is that they abuse his very name. They mock his very nature and his very character. A sign that those may be opposed God is a sign that they will take his name and they will use it and lift it up for nothingness. For he will not hold them guilty, guiltless, excuse me, who do not uh, lift, who lift up his name in vain. Think of someone you love deeply. Think of someone you care for. Think of your children. Think of your grandchildren. Think of your friends or your spouse. Or this morning, think of your mother. And any time that name is said, what happens? This conjures up memories. Conjures up who they are and how they loved you and how they cared for you. Your children, you remember those times, those precious times that you hold on to so dear. Every time the name is mentioned, you remember the one who... That name represents all that they've done, all that they've cared for, all they've loved you. The name of that person represents more than just markings on a page. The name of that person represents more than just a tag on their shirt. Those names are precious to us. Those names are precious to us, us which is why we don't want our name or their names to be ridiculed, twisted, or mocked. We want to honor them and care for them just as they've cared for us. How much more so then is it for God? How much more so is it for the one who has saved us and redeemed us? How much more so is it for the one who went into Egypt in the midst of their slavery and called them out and pulled them out? How much more so is it for the one who provided for them every morning, who, who took care of every need as they're wandering in the wilderness? How much more so is it for the one who's speaking to them even now out of the mountain and saying, I have saved you and redeemed you. Here's how you are to live. How much more so is it for the one who's redeemed us? 
If we love the names of our friends and our spouse and they conjure up those good memories and those good things and we don't want to ridicule them or we don't want to mock them, we want to use them well and we want to honor them as we honor as we honor them with their name. How much more so is it for the Lord? We don't take His name in vain. We don't lift His name up to what is false. We say again with the psalmist, let them praise the name of the Lord for His name alone is exalted. God's name represents God's character. To mock God's name, to abuse God's name is to abuse God Himself. So how do we do this then? How do we mock it or abuse it? Brings us to our second point. We must not misuse God's name. We must not misuse God's name. Back to this commandment, you shall not take the Lord your God, the name of the Lord your God, in vain. A very literal translation of this may be, you shall not lift up the name of the Lord your God for nothingness. This commandment, by the way, does not forbid the use of God's name. Do not hear me when I say that. This commandment, and the Lord wants to be clear, this commandment does not forbid God's use. In fact, some throughout history, even some of the Jewish tradition, believe this. God is not forbidding the use of His name. He forbids the misuse of His name. Many believe they were so scared of using the Lord's name in vain that every time the name Yahweh would appear in the text, they would replace it with the name Adonai. So they wouldn't even, they would protect themselves so as to not even say the name of the Lord so they would not misuse it. But that's not what God's calling us to do. God's not saying to not use his name. In fact, God is telling us over and over again to call upon him. God tells us over and over again to reach out to him. God tells us over and over again to proclaim his name. God is not telling us not to use it. He's telling us not to misuse it. We should not use his name carelessly. We should not use his name thoughtlessly. We should not use his name flippantly. We must not treat the name of God as if it is something worthless. In many ways, how you treat the name of God is how you think of God. How you treat His name is what you think of Him. And to dishonor God's name is to dishonor God Himself. And so how can we do this? I noted as I was looking through some, some uh, studies on this and trying to understand it, how there's really three basic ways that we misuse God's name. I'll get to a fourth at the end. But there's really three basic ways, I believe, that we misuse God's name. As Pastor Kevin DeYoung says, we misuse God's name when we lift it up to something that's false, when we lift it up to something that's frivolous, or we lift his name up to something that's phony. I'll use those three simply because he does a great job of putting them together. That means we don't use, we don't use his name to lift up to what is false. We break this commandment when we attach the name of God to lies. We break this commandment when we attach the name of God to half-truths. Like when we own our own opinions or our, our ideas and we describe them to God. Y'all might know who I'm talking about. When we come up with what we think needs to happen or what we think needs to be done or our opinions of culture and society and friends and family and everything else and we act as if that's God's opinion. Our own agenda does not equal God's agenda. We could simply do this. I could do this even as your pastor. If I could come to you today and say, hey, 
This is what we're going to do. We're going to tear down all the buildings of this church and we're going to build a new building and it's going to be even better and glorious and, 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 and we're going to start a capital campaign. I need y'all to pledge all your pennies because we're going to start this capital campaign. We can say that. I can say that if I want to, but then if I look at you and say, because God told me to do it, I'm in danger of breaking this commandment. I'm in danger of breaking it. Why? I can look and say it may be the best case. It may be right for us to start over. It may be good. I feel like that's best. I feel like that's all for, all, uh, the best way to do it. But for me to push my own agenda upon this body and say God told me to do it would be absolutely wrong. We must be about God's work. We must not offer up anything that is false. We must not put anything toward him. We must not use our own agenda and throw God's name on it in any way. We must not accuse him of things that are false either. People often try to boost their own credibility by claiming that God is on their side. People often try to boost their own credibility by saying God told me to do it God is on my side his name has been used used throughout history to endorse everything from the crusades to the slave trade his name has been used to endorse political parties and social causes and the results every single time are always disastrous we must not tie God to any of our own agendas by any stretch of the imagination and use God's name to give credibility to those things. That would be breaking this commandment. We must hold to the name of the Lord and what is true in His Word and only in His Word as He gives us His Word as we move forward and we can pray for God's blessing and we can seek God's direction and we can call for God's wisdom and discernment. But let us not blame God or credit God to anything that suits our own agendas. But not only that, we must not use his name to offer up what is frivolous or careless, if you will. This world certainly uses the name of the Lord in careless ways. And certainly this would include his name as curse words, if you will. Or even as I said before, oh my God. And I had to always get that pause as my grandma looked at me. But be careful. Be careful. There are many ways that we use God's name that are reckless. There are many ways that we offer up God's name that are careless. I am thankful. As I said from the beginning, I am thankful for parents that taught me not to use God's name in vain. I am thankful for those constant reminders. No matter how many times, and I'll admit it even this morning, I may have rolled my eyes. Kids don't do that, do they? Every once in a while I did. No matter how many times I thought this was silly, no matter how many times I thought this was nonsense, when my mom would stop me from using the word G's because it was a, a, a put it in, uh, taking the place of Jesus, or my mom would stop me from using the word God, can't believe it, because it was just taking the place of the name of the Lord. She would stop me from all those things. And no matter how many times I may roll my eyes, I'm thankful for deep down inside. She taught me not to throw out God's name carelessly. Not to throw it out frivolously. We break this commandment also when we use his name in a phony way. Think about how we worship. Think about how we pray. True worship 
we must know here this morning occurs in the heart. True worship occurs within us. And oftentimes we celebrate what's going on in our heart as it comes out from us. And we thank God for the freedom to worship Him in a way that that glorifies Him and honors Him. But we must be careful. We must be careful that we mean what we say when we sing. Martin Luther said one time, Christians are the only people that don't just tell lies, they sing lies too. Y'all will get that later. When we sing, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name, do we mean that? Do we mean that every part of us and everything that's with us, we bless His holy name? Do we mean those things? And the Lord calls us, don't use my name in vain. Don't sing what is false in your own heart. Don't lift it up to Him when it's phony and not true. If you truly mean it, you truly sing it. You truly sing it. Yes, we are sinful people. We easily get distracted. We must be careful about these things. But we must admit that oftentimes when we sing, we don't mean what we say. I would say to you this morning, that's breaking of this commandment. May God change our hearts to follow Him and sing with Him with true and truth and in spirit. And we mean what we sing even as we sing, but what about how we pray? Remember what Jesus says. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Consider what he's saying here. Prayers we speak to God, especially publicly as others here, is oftentimes because of show. We can just string together the the vast number of cliches, one right after another, that fits good, and you're like, man, that person can pray. But in reality, all they're doing is stringing together words upon words, and the Lord says that happens oftentimes. And when you do this, this is phony. Don't just string together those words just so you can be heard. You pray from your heart to the name of the Lord God Almighty. And the Lord knows. The Lord knows. If you could be phony when it comes to worship, if you could be phony when it comes to prayer, then would it be that you don't truly know the one whose name you are calling on? Could it possibly be that you don't truly know the one whose name you are singing to? Everything in this depends on us calling on the name of the Lord rightly, with reverence and fear as we worship Him. The Lord wants us to call upon Him. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is rich in love. The Lord is kind to us. So even in our carelessness, even in times that we are frivolous with His name, even in times when we are phony with the worship, even in times times when we put His name on our own agenda and offer it up to what is false, if you will, God is gracious to us and He calls upon us, use my name, call upon my name, just don't misuse it. So this morning, we must repent of those times that we've misused His name. We must seek to honor Him. For He has the name that is above every name. My final point is simply this. The application of the third commandment goes beyond just the name of the Lord, if you will, and moves toward the One who has come in the Lord's name Himself, Jesus Christ. 
Look with me at this passage in Philippians 2. If you can, you turn to that page. And Paul is writing here. Let's consider what Philippians 2 says. Paul says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here the Lord God Almighty has sent his son Jesus Christ. God himself, the word from the beginning. The one who used the same phrase from Exodus 3, I am who I am. And said that's who I am as well. When he said that to the woman at the well. And he said that to his disciples. I am was the phrase Jesus gave to himself. The name himself. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. Son of God, come for us. And he denotes in his power for us. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will give you, Jesus says. By believing you may have life in my name, Jesus tells us. For his name is a name that is above every name. Because Jesus Christ himself, the King of kings and Lord of lords, humbled himself and went to the cross. And by going to the cross, he sealed victory for all of us. Forgiveness for us when we have misused the name of God. He gave that to us and he said, now you call upon my name and you shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not only does his name have the power to save, we need to recognize this morning that there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That this morning, salvation comes to us by proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And just as the name denotes the character of God, so it denotes who Christ is and what he's done for us. When we say the name Jesus, it reminds us that he died for us. Amen. Exactly, that's exactly what the angel said to Joseph when the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. His name represents his salvation. And when we look at these commandments, if you will, maybe already this morning, even these last few weeks, the Spirit has begun to convict us that oftentimes we have put other gods before the one true and living God. And oftentimes we have put idols in our heart that take into place that only God has. And oftentimes we have misused His name. But here comes Jesus, the one who died for us, the one who saved us, the one who took our sin, our breaking of the law, reversed the judgment that would come for us by going to the cross and dying in our place. He has saved us from our sin. The name that is above every name. The name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And my question for you this morning is why would you ever abuse His name? Why would you ever offer it up to what is frivolous? Why would you ever give it to what is false? Why would you ever act toward it what is phony, if you will? Why would you ever abuse of the name of the one who has saved you and redeemed you, the name by which we all must call upon if we have life? And those of you who have called on him for salvation, we bear his name this morning. We bear it. At Antioch, 
the first church. They preached the name of Jesus in such a way that they gave them a nickname there. They called them Christians, which means little Christ, because they bear the name of Jesus themselves. Christian this morning, we carry his name. And while we don't want to misuse it and throw it up to what's false, frivolous, or phony, at the same time, the main way we often break this commandment is by not living up to the name of Jesus that we bear. That's what the Bible calls us to do. As Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we do in our life, whatever word, whatever deed we offer up, we're to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because as those who've been redeemed by him, we bear his name. As those who've been saved by him, we claim his name. And to claim the name of Jesus and then not to live for him is breaking the third commandment. To claim the name of Christ and not give your life for him is breaking the third commandment. And many are guilty of this. May that not be us here. May that not be any of us here. I'm reminded of Peter and John as they're going to the synagogue after Jesus has died and rose again and ascended into heaven. And as they go, they see the lame ones sitting there offering, asking for silver or gold. And I remember those words daily as Peter looks at him and says, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I freely give. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. For those of us who are believers, we recognize there is not a lot that we do have. There's not a lot of things in this world that we own. There's not a lot of possessions that everybody else treasures that we don't have. There's not a lot that we out there that we hold on to. But what we do have, what we do have is access to the greatest truth that we can possibly know. What we do have is the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we bear that name. And we offer that name so that we can say with the prophet Malachi, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, my name will be great among the nations. If the nations are going to cherish the name of Jesus Christ, if the nations are going to cherish the name of the one true and living God, then by all means we must as well. We must as well. As we consider this passage this morning, as we consider what it means, God is calling us to use His name. Just don't misuse it. And how do we use it faithfully? We use it faithfully by calling upon Him for all of our life and all of our hope and all of our salvation, for looking to Him as the only one who can save us and redeem us, the only one who has the power. That's how we use it well. And even as we close in prayer, we close in prayer through the name of Jesus Christ, who has secured our salvation and our access. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning, my call to you is simply this. Call upon the Lord. If you don't call upon Him, if you don't call upon His name, you don't know Him, call upon the Lord. 
see his glorious truth again, maybe for the first time. Maybe you have been distanced from him and been living far from him. Maybe you've carried that name Christian for so many years, but you now recognize that you've been not living for him and breaking this commandment. The Lord forgives you through his son, Jesus Christ. And anyone who calls upon him finds that salvation. Call upon the Lord this morning for his great name. For his great name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. You're kind to us, Lord, that you have not hidden yourself, but you have revealed yourself. You're kind to us, Lord. You're kind to us, God, that you have told us your name, your character, your greatness, your power, your strength, your glory. You have seen it all displayed, not only throughout the history of your word, but also in your son, Jesus Christ, who has the name that is above every name. So, Father, this morning, may we call upon that name, Jesus our Lord. May we not abuse that name, Father, but may we live for it, for your glory and for your sake. As we gather here now to sing, Father, may we offer up truly from our heart honor for your name. All of this we pray in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand together.